the latest in agricultural media and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network podcast, and here's your host, Kelsey Litchfield. Welcome to another episode of the AgCom Network podcast. I'm Kelsey Litchfield, digital media consultant, videographer, and your podcast host for today. But before we start, I just want to thank you all for tuning into this podcast. I can't believe it, but it's already been about a year since we've started and launched it, and it's been such a fun project to work on with AAEA. A shout out to all the guests that we've interviewed, and again, of course, to you guys for tuning in and listening. So in celebration of our year anniversary, I want to ask you to share this podcast with a friend. Send them the link via text or email. Just say, hey, listen to this podcast and then invite them to hit the subscribe button as well as you if you haven't already, whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, hit that subscribe button and then you know when a new episode pops up. So that's your homework. Uh, Please report back on our next episode. Now, in today's episode, we have Matt Strzelecki, award-winning creative director at Meredith AgriMedia. We are talking design and how to stay creative by doing. Matt walks us through some of the projects he's worked on, what he's learned, and how design is one of the key factors in connecting with your audience. So without further ado, turn up the volume and let's dig in. Matt, start from the beginning. Tell me a little about yourself, how you got into the design world, and how you got maybe into ag communications as well. Uh, well, the uh, the ag communication was uh, by by virtue of a, a large corporate layoff uh, uh, back in uh, when everybody was melting down back in 2009. So that's how I ended up here. But I've been at Meredith <clears throat> since 1994, and I came on board in uh, to redesign traditional home magazine. Uh, I left Atlanta Magazine behind and came uh, from Atlanta up to Des Moines and uh, redesigned that, helped them launch another magazine called Renovation Style. I always loved magazine design. From the time that I was in college uh, out in California, I knew it was what I wanted to do. I didn't know how how I could get into it or would get into it, but uh, obviously I've pretty much made a a, a lengthy career out of it, so I'm doing okay. But uh, um, I, I came up here in 94, did the redesign for Trad Home. It went over uh, very well with advertisers. They, they finally landed Gucci for the first time, and that was a big deal, and, and um, uh, launched another magazine called Renovation Style, which is actually still also still surviving um, all these years later, um, and then took a break, a, more, a little more than 11-year break, and went over to Meredith Books. Uh, and that their claim to fame is the Red Flight Cookbook. They were the first baby book publisher, How to Raise Your Baby, back in the ooh, gosh 30s or 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know everybody everybody's seen the Red Flight Cookbook. Uh, that was their you know that was their backbone. That was where they made all their money. Okay. And uh, when when I came on board, we basically kicked it uh, really hard and started to think in a much different way about our readers. I I had a I was very concerned that they were thinking our readers were, you know, conservative, far too conservative and far too uh, kind of old school. And I got them to rethink how 
uh, we thought of our female readership. Um, now, we were still largely a female re readership like Meredith is as a whole uh, in the books group, but we uh, also had other things that were, uh, you know, Home Depot books, uh, Do It Yourself, How to, how to Lay Concrete books. So there were, mm -hmm. it, it covered both, um, it covered both uh, typical gender roles, and, um, uh, but we were able to kind of tear those walls down and radically rethink it. And then one day, uh, our new boss came in and said, um, I know people at TLC and Discovery and they need a book. They want a book on trading spaces. And at that oh. point, trading spaces was white hot, oh, like yeah. literally just like burning up um, the, the airwaves. And we turned that book around in four months down from our normal 18 month turnaround. Oh my gosh. And it went to number two on the New York Times bestseller list. No, no, excuse me. It went to number two behind Harry Potter on Amazon. I I know that it made some uh, New York Times bestseller list, but that's that, they, they kind of fudge those a little bit. They, they draw some pretty big categories to let a lot of people in, but we sold a lot of those, and then it radically changed what we were doing at books, and all of a sudden we were doing books for Discovery and books for this and books for that. We got into Mattel books. We got into DC and Marvel comic coloring books. Oh uh, uh, we did NBC Today Show cookbook. We got one of the very few sit-down photo shoots with Denzel Washington for a book that we did for him and Boys and Girls Club. And uh, so we got, it was kind of like, we were like little rock stars there for a little while. NBC Definitely. Today Show got to go and, and, and go to that shoot. Um, I was the uh, creative director at the time. And it was just, it was just crazy. Went all across the country with the Trading Spaces people and shot their portraits. And, and I'm still, I could probably reach out to a couple of them today uh, and chat with them, even though, <laughs> even though it's been as many years as it has been. Um, and they're just relaunching, aren't they, Trading Spaces? Am I correct? They actually, they're in their second or third relaunch okay. year. That's right. It's at least the second year. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit like a, a trip down nostalgia mm -hmm. you know kind of like memory lane for me to watch it uh but uh, i went all across the country like literally new york to san diego and several stops in between doing photo shoots and uh doing behind the scenes photography myself with then a four megapixel camera which was expensive and and mm -hmm. um uh so you know it was a learning experience all the way around um uh, we we learned we could do a book in four months, which was insane for us. That, yeah, no, that, you're right. That's insane. I'm like mind no. blown right here. Yeah, and that's and that's from from literally nothing from a ha a handful of uh, PR shots, and then we had to populate the rest of the book uh, with all new material, and uh, and then that turned into I think we ended up doing fourteen or fifteen trading spaces related books uh, on decorating like color and texture and blah 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 and they just wouldn't stop they just wouldn't stop and and in that mix we were we landed scott's the 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 lawn company we were doing miracle grow we did all the home depot books so when you go into mm -hmm. home depot those orange those orange one two three books those were ours for the longest time um we were doing all that and we reached a peak of more than thirty five thousand pages in a single year which was more than the rest of meredith combined Oh my gosh, that is crazy. And just, if you could see me right now, my eyes are kind of like bulging almost a bit because that, that's a lot of work and that amount of time, but it's, it's insane that you can do that amount of work if you really put your passion and hard work ethic behind a project like that. Right. And, and, and to get the right people in place, we were very lucky. We had, we had, I, uh, despite the fact that books folded you know, during the, during the beginning of the recession, 
uh, I, you know, those were the most amazing people. I work with great people at SF, but the people at, at, um, at books, they, they covered everything. We, we, we had people going from cooking to decorating to crafts to how to raise your baby to um, all of the television books. We ended up creating a kid's line. We, we were vendor of the year with uh, Mattel one year for doing their Polly Pockets books. Um, we were very proud of that. So we, we were incredibly eclectic. Uh, we even did, uh, f- I think, first of its kind, possibly, uh, religious books for Meredith. Meredith is, is oh. very much a, a cooking and crafting kind of yeah. company, and they never, they, never did, they never did religion books. But we did, um, uh, we did sound story books for kids on uh, Old and New Testament. And so I, I get to tell the story that I went into a, a, a room in New York and had all the character developments up on the wall from the company we hired. And I'm, you know, I'm picking, you know, Moses A. I like Moses A. And I like Jesus B on that mm-hmm. one. And I like, you know, I like the whale on that one. And, and um, uh, so that was, it was a, it was a very cool time. It was breakneck speed. And, um, uh, you know, frankly, it, it wore me out. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, but uh, it was a, a heck of a teaching experience. And Matt, how do you think those experiences at books helped you into the position that you are today with Successful Farming Magazine? You know, uh, here's here's how I landed at SF, which is there's two there's a couple paths, but here's here's the the, the crazy thing. While I was at books, uh, one of my one of my art directors had to do a speech. He had been asked to do a speech before AAEA. Uh, one of one of like the little conferences, like the mini conferences, it was here oh, at yeah. Meredith, and he said, "Matt, I, I can't do it. You got to do it for me." And I thought, "Oh, I don't like speaking in front of people. I oh, don't make me, don't make me, don't make me." I finally said, uh, "Fine, I'll do it. I'll take care of it." I came up with a with a quick presentation on essentially how to create good design. Ha ha ha! You know, how can you teach that in fifteen minutes? So. I go in front of this group. I'm a literally I'm like one floor above that room right now, uh, and this was a long time ago. And I did this presentation, and I, I thought it had gone well, and it evidently did. I was voted the favorite speaker of that that get together, which boggled my mind. Um, I just was um, proud and and kind of blown away. But now fast forward to the to the layoffs in 2009, and I'm applying at SF. Mm. and another magazine within Meredith and SF completely remembers me because of that presentation. Like, yeah, we know who you are and we like you. And it was like, Oh, well, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, you know, put on your big shoes and go do that presentation you didn't want to do for somebody else because you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So you never know. And, and books, you know, books was a, a, a diversion. It was a long diversion uh, but it taught me how to handle massive volume, vast, just a huge pipeline of work and how to keep all the plates spinning and try to keep your people happy. And, um, uh, you know, I, lear- I learned a lot. I learned, I put into practice all the things that I learned that I wanted to do as a manager. And I put into practice all of those things I'd learned that I didn't want to do as a manager. And I, you know, certainly wasn't the best manager in the world, but I, you know, I was always willing to listen. That's what I tell a lot of people, especially ones that are younger with me. Granted, I'm only 24 years old, but when I was in college and people would try out internships, I'd say, remember, you're finding out what you want to do, but you're also finding out what you don't want to do. And the earlier that you can learn that, the better, because then you won't waste your time later and say a real job was something that you don't want to be doing. So everything is an experience that hopefully propels you into the future that you know what you 
want to do in your career. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the old, the old saying of do what you love and the money will come or you won't worry so much about money. Uh, the money may never come, but you'll at least be happy. You know, it was when I was paid for the level of stress that I had, uh, that's when I, what I call being overpaid. I was being paid for the level of stress I was given and it was a good living, but I, I would not uh, ever go back to that stress level for that, for that kind of money again. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, it's not worth it. Um, uh, you, you, you know, you, it took me, it took a lot of time away from me and my kids and, and, uh, um, and, and, you know, my family life, it affected my family life and you know what, do what you love. And you know what, if you're, if you're making 75% of what you hoped you would, but you're happy, take mm -hmm. my word for it, adding, adding, getting to that full hundred percent, that goal, um, can take away all your happiness and, and all of your, your daily joy. Uh, the, the book's job was a great joy for a very long period of time. Um, and then it got really rocky with the, this huge over this, these overloading uh, overload of work, as well as approve what I call approval trees at the various clients that we had, uh, were just mind numbing. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, and so I'm, that's why I'm incredibly happy to be where I am now. Now, well, I go talk to my boss, and my boss and I trade ideas. Uh, if we like one of the ideas, no matter who comes up with it, we don't care. We just get it done. Yeah. And it's incredibly efficient, and they let me do my job. Matt, one thing I want to talk to you about, um, you shared this in a conversation we had earlier, kind of like a pre-episode screening, and you mentioned an article from the Design Management Institute that talks about how design is a method of problem solving. And I was listening to another podcast the other day that said the same thing. I kind of want to gain your perspective on that as ad communicator in the design world. You know, it, designers definitely are problem solvers. The, the, the problems can be pretty mundane. Like, you know, we need a, we need a line of fabric. What are the patterns going to be? That, that is not nearly as complex as uh, a company is faltering in its marketing, in its marketing program. It's losing market share. That, you know, that's a big problem. They're both problems, but they, and they both need to be solved. But, um, you know, some are easier than others. So when somebody, every day, every issue I'm faced with is, what what do we want to say this time? That's the problem. Um, we know who we're talking to. We are very wide open about how we're going to talk to our readers because I I feel and we can talk about this a little bit later. I feel that our readers are far different than um, that may have, than may have been thought, and they're also far more. Um, well, we have a relatively hip audience. This is very strange to say that about, you know, uh, middle American farmers are, are hip, but they're, you know, I, I the greatest respect for them. Um, so when we get a problem, what's going to go on this cover? What are we trying to say uh, in this cover? Uh, or, or what are we trying to say about the story? That's the problem we sit down we and and because I've been doing it so long, I, I hash it out in my head first. I don't sketch anything, which a lot of designers do, and they swear by and they live by. I haven't sketched anything, pretty much even probably since I was in school. I'm not a good sketcher, so I don't do it mentally. I I, I have a flip book. Um, so uh, you know, for example, we had a cover probably three years ago now, and it was about the advent of faster planting and harvesting. So it was about speed. So yeah. if you go from five miles an hour to ten miles an hour, you know you're cutting you're cutting a lot of time off that's mm -hmm. spent in the field. Um, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully the increase in speed isn't chewing up that much more fuel. But you know, hopefully there's a savings in there. But one thing you can't do uh, in in on, in print is illustrate speed. Um, yeah. uh, you know, we can we we can't say going from point A to point B faster on the cover. So I right. I sat down and I 
and I thought to myself, and we had done this one other time. We had one prior, and we we put a we put a, a combine on uh, on, a, on a raceway, uh, like literally like uh, like the Indianapolis Speedway, oh, yeah. and had a you know chewing up corn and put speed blurs on that. it. So we, mm-hmm. we yeah we couldn't we couldn't go back there. But so what I was thinking about was speed. What is speed culture? You know what is fast? Well, fast cars. Well, you know farmers are. Farmers are guys. They probably like some fast cars. I bet you there's a fair number about there like fast cars. And I, and I thought way back to when I was a kid growing up in Arizona, and there was a, a character called Ratfink. Ratfink was um, created by a guy named Big Daddy Ed Roth, uh, who was in Southern California. And he created this incredibly distinctive um, uh, car culture visual and they were, you know, tricked out cars and rat Fink was a character that was literally a rat and, uh, you know, everything was about speed and big tires and huge engines. And it, it was just fun. And it had always stuck in my head as something that, you know, it's been around. It's still around. It's being, it was right. co-opted by skate culture. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go pick up a skateboard and they're ripping off big, big daddy mm-hmm. 50, uh, 60 years later. Um, and I thought, well, you know, maybe what we could do here is we could do, um, I got a, I got a readership who's about my age. I know what it was like, how cool big daddy Ed Roth was mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I'm like, Hmm, can we cross can we pull together speed, uh, the love of fast cars and big engines, and get across the idea of going fast? And so mm-hmm. I, I tracked down a, a guy who's actually a skateboard illustrator and, and said, I need you to rip off Big, Big Daddy. And we did our Need for Speed cover. And I'm like, I, it wasn't called Need for Speed. It was Maybe it was. It's been a while since we did it, two or three yeah. or more years. And I put it out there, and I had the greatest confidence that we would be just fine. I, it, it, it was called Speed Demon, and it was our mid-March 2015 cover. I, I felt very solid about it. I, I, you know, it was way, way, way out there for mm-hmm. us. Um, but it, it, people knew it. Our readers knew it. They knew who Big Daddy was. Yeah. We, got a, we got a letter saying it was, you know, you mm-hmm. know, it was terrible. It was the word, you know, it was an insult. And, I, you know, it was not a person. It was a person well past our readership age. And it was understandable. But it, people remembered it. The industry yeah. remembered it. Got, I got approached when I was at uh, the farm show in Louisville. And, uh, you know, uh, the gentleman in the, in, the ag, in the ag communication world knew that cover. Mm-hmm. And liked it. It was like, well, we have an impact, and the goal here is in marketing is to differentiate yourself somehow, way, uh, right. some way or another, through price, through service, through quality of product, and um, uh, memorability. Uh, memorability is uh, 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 through differences, pretty much the easiest thing for me to do. Right, and you connected with the audience, whether it was in a positive light or maybe some people didn't like it, but at least you connected with them somehow. It got their attention. I think at the end of the day. Did, Right. you want to catch their attention they always say that about headlines you've got to grab their attention and I'll be the first one to admit I'm not the best at headlines that's where I ask other people for help to grab that reader's attention and keep it there the same thing goes for videos I do a lot of videos you got to grab that readers or that viewers attention within that like four seconds of the video starting so it has to stick with them and it sounds like you do that pretty well Right. And, and, you know, and, and I, um, people, I've actually written, I, I know I'm not saying I've written a lot of headlines at all, but I've, I've written mm-hmm. a few since I've been here. And I, I try to tell people because a lot of the writers here are hesitant. They're like, I don't do a good job. I'm like, don't be afraid to make a pun. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. to pick up a cliche. Don't be afraid to do those things. Those things resonate immediately with our readers, with any reader. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, have a little bit of fun. Don't be afraid yeah. to be humorous. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. to to scare people a little bit. 
you know, mm -hmm. like I've got a problem. I, you know, and you're telling me I, you know, my problem might be worse than I think, but you're going to offer me a solution. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, you know, make that promise, but entice them um, uh, on all fronts of, on any front if you can. Yeah. One thing, since we're talking about headlines and videos, I mentioned that one of the things I'm curious about, Matt, is how you stay innovative um, with design, because there's always talk about emerging media and keeping with the trends. How do you do that through your design work? Well, uh, you know, magazines, uh, uh, you know, are a fashion business, fashion meaning that it is shifting constantly. Yeah. Uh, it shifts a little slower, you know, it's not like it's not like a, a new season in, in fashion wear, but you've got, um, you are constantly evolving. Uh, we are hoping to launch a redesign here in the next few months um, uh, as well. Another redesign, which will be the third since I've been here. Um, I, I look at a lot of things. My favorite thing to do is to go to Pinterest and type in magazine covers or go to Pinterest and type in magazine spreads or department layouts and just take in uh, a, a volume of diverging, um, divergent ideas, uh, visuals and, 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 and they and they also kind of give me permission when mm -hmm. I see somebody else doing something that I think might look a little weird, and I take that as well. You know, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, Pinterest is one thing. If I if I get if I get design block, which happens, it's happening mm -hmm. literally right now. I'm working on a layout right now that I'm already kind of afraid of. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's it, it's all the things I don't like to do in an opening spread. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Pinterest and I'm going to just kind of poke around and see how did some other people handle it? What are some other ideas that I can, um, frankly, steal from, you know, um, uh, one of the biggest designers, uh, best known designers in, in the U S um, said, you steal from enough places, you become original. And that's, that's very true. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't have a style. It's that's, that's another question to ask. I don't have a specific style uh, outside of probably being fairly loud with my typography. I'm not subtle. Um, I also am a chronic filler. I'm not a big fan of white space. I'm always pushing in some other element in there. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I also am influenced by things that I like. I love Wired mm -hmm. magazine. Uh, I have a, I have five, may, might even have 10 years of Wired magazine sitting on my desk right now within arm's reach of me um if i want to go in there and, and get in, you know see what they were doing on you know five years ago how are they handling something how are they decorating a page um uh, so i'm immersed as much as i can be mm -hmm. um and by the fact that i'm just a a, a visual person mm -hmm. um I'm, okay. I'm 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 just doing what i can i've done two things to remain creatively fresh here in the last I think the first one started in 2012. I take a lot of pictures, by the way, a lot okay. of pictures with my with my phone. I use a, yeah. an, an app called Hipstamatic. Uh, I have Hipstamatic? more than 3,000. Yeah, Hipstamatic, H-I-P-S-T-A-Matic, M-A-T-I-C. Um, uh, uh, it's a, it's a filtering manipulation, photo manipulation. Um, you can look me up on, on, on Instagram. I'm Hipstamaddiction. So hip, H-I-P-S-T-A. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to say this on my head and I can't. Yeah, it's like hipst addiction. No, hipsta. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. I'll make sure to okay. put that in the show notes. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay, so so I've I've taken three over three thousand pictures, posted them on on um, on IG, and one day I took a picture of my daughter. Uh, 
her face. She was mad. My daughter's at, 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 at dinner with us one night and she's getting mad. And um, she took her phone, which had a phone case on it, was covered in uh, like fake rhinestones. And she put it between her eyes and she just pushed it on her forehead. And she was just, you know, spitting angry about something. I mean, she was a teenager at the time and, and she pulled the phone away and it left this, these, this dot pattern right between her eyes. And um, it was just, it was kind of humorous. And so I took a quick picture and I ran it through Hipsta, uh, Hipstamatic. And I, um, and it was, certainly wasn't the first Hipstamatic picture I took, but I took the picture and I thought, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. That's like the weirdest thing I've, this is awesome. And I went home that night and I created a fake CD cover. So I oh. came up with a fake band, fake album name, use the image. And I didn't stop until I had done like 82 of them. Wow. And I would come home and I would just, I'd just do another one. I'd come home and <laughs> do another one. Come, sometimes they would be done in an hour. Sometimes, you know, I think the longest one was over a period of days, which involved a hand-drawn type, which I'm not good at. So I would start and hate it, start and hate it. And I finally got that one done. And that was the last one. And then I decided I'm going to do a book and I'm going to send the book to the Hipstamatic people. I'm just going to go like do something at Kindle or whatever. I do a print product. And I, didn't quite have enough to do a 96 page book, which I felt was the minimum number of pages I could do. So I did the even dumber thing. I said, I'll write fake reviews about the fake bands. So I don't need as many of them. I can put a review on one page and a picture and a, and a, and a CD on the other page. And uh, it took me over a year. I started and stopped and started and stopped it. And I ended up writing 40 plus reviews of fake bands, uh, you know, complete fake back backgrounds, you know, just a, a brief little write up um, and eventually published it for kicks and grins. And, and um, uh, so I, I have this book that's nothing but fake bands and fake reviews. Where is this available? Can people buy it? You can get it on Amazon. Yeah, you can buy it on Amazon. It's called Cover Up. And then put my last name, so cover up, and then my last name, and it should come up. Um, and you know, it was a vanity project. Um, uh, it was also a little bit. Uh, my mom always wanted everything I ever did, and so I thought, oh, you know what the heck, I'll do this book and I'll send it to my mom. And um, uh, so you know, it it was it was a fun project. It was it was a creative outlet. I'm trying to find it here on 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 on. Um, uh, Amazon myself as we speak. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a black cover says cover up on it. Okay. And you can see some of the little, if you go there, you'll see so there are four covers on the cover of some of the fake bands. Um, uh, but so I did that. That's been quite a while ago now. This is, uh, I, I think I published that in 2015 or 2016. Oh. And um, so, but lately, like three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I got the idea uh, I wonder what you can do on just on your phone. Yeah. And I, so I started saying, well, I wanted to do some fake book covers, right? So I wanted mm -hmm. to do, so I was going to do some fake, but I started them and I was doing them in Photoshop and I was kind of getting nowhere, but I, I went out to, I went and did, you know, typography app reviews for, for, um, for iPhones. What, you know, what's good, what's bad. And I, and I started doing phone cover, uh, book covers, fake book covers all on my phone. So I would design them the typography and make up a fake uh, title. Um, I didn't stick only to Hipstamatic this time. I, I ended up uh, using um, several other applications for it. And that's on my, that's on my, my portfolio site. Uh, the 3D work where it looks in 3D like it's a, a real book, that was done in, on the Mac, but the front covers were entirely done on only, only on my phone. 
And did so you uh, used an app to create the book covers? Yeah, yeah. I would okay. I would go I download an app and I would choose I, I you know, I limited myself. They're five by eight or six by nine. Um it was just those are two very standard book sizes. Uh, I would trim the photo off to that size. Then I would go off to an application that does typography. I'd make up a fake name. Um, I would use another app called Snapseed, which does some really yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I yeah. use Snapseed. I, I, didn't, I didn't limit myself. The cover of book is only hipstamatic images. Uh, the typography, of course, is not. That's all done yeah. in, in Photoshop and other things. But um, uh, So I've done 12 or 13 books. Um, and these are and, all, all on your online portfolio. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to the, if you go to the, um, if you go to the thing I sent back to you, uh, it's yeah. coralflot.com forward slash Strelecki, uh, and then you go to my portfolio. Um, where are we here? Public view. Um, it's the third icon over from the left, and you click on that, and it launches. I, I think I've done twelve. I've done a few and I just, I would sit at home and watch TV and instead of just wasting my time, watch television, I designed these book covers on my phone. All of the images are solely mine. Um, all of the designs are solely mine, but the uh, 3d work again was done using another application to get that oh. cool 3d look. And, and, um, uh, uh, so I, those are the things that I kind of do to remain creative. I keep my eyes open. I go to Pinterest a lot. I'm, you know, constantly looking at things that I think are cool, but I also stay creative by doing. A lot of yeah. people are kind of sponges um, mm-hmm. for things and then they spit it out in real work. I'm kind of a sponge and I spit it out in fake work. Matt, I'm looking at these fake book covers right now and they look so real. Yeah, like, aren't they cool? That's, a, that's an, there's an app. Yeah. You know, um, I, I want to quickly point out something. People sometimes ask me, oh, what camera are you using for your video? And I just say, I'm using my iPhone 7 Plus right now. And they're like, you're really using your iPhone to do an entire video? And I said, yep, as long as I'm doing it horizontally and not like vertically. I go, I've done yeah. a lot of video projects <laughs> on my phone. I go, don't think you can't use that equipment to create a video um, that you're right. going to put online. Like you don't have to go out and buy a $5,000 camera, especially, I don't know how to operate some of those fancy cameras. It's all about the creativity part of it. And then for me, the video editing as well, you can get really creative with. So if there's something you want to do, making a book cover, creating a video, if you have a smartphone, there's endless possibilities that you can do. You just got to explore. Yeah, absolutely. I'm using a phone that I bought in 2015. So my, my, I have a six plus, which is way, yeah. uh, way out of, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm almost at the point of where I'm going to have to upgrade um, because some apps are not working on it uh, on the six plus. But, you know, I, if you see these book covers, it's like literally all done on my phone, you know, all that typography, all of those, all of the effects, all the drop shadows, all of the things that took my first iMac, or I wasn't iMac, my first Apple computer um, that was bought by my, uh, well, I first picked up on a Mac in 1988. We were the first design studio in Atlanta to get them. And, um, and they were terrible. They were extremely expensive. Um, uh, but when I went over to the art director of Atlanta Magazine, they, they bought one. It was $8,000. Oh my. It was a $4,000 monitor and a $4,000 computer. Um, both of which probably weighed a combined 300 pounds and, you know, to get it to, to work was just 
difficulty. Yeah, it did the job. You know, I was, I was able to make mm-hmm. it go. But the fact that I'm doing this level of work on my phone, uh, a, a five-year-old phone or a four-year-old phone is, mm-hmm. is blows my mind. Yeah, me too. Um, every day I learn something new about my phone and I've been thinking about upgrading. I'm like, I can do all that still on my phone. So I'm, let's, I'm going to wait a little while, but it's just phenomenal with the things you can do on your phone. I'm not, I'm not going to say you can't go out and buy a camera. Some of those video and photo cameras you have out there, they're magnificent. But if you're not in a place right now to buy one where you can't afford it, um, don't go into debt just to buy a camera, use what you have and build up and then buy, maybe buy a nice camera. And then after that, it's just, you got to get creative with the tools that you have. So. And I'll, and I'll point something out. If you go back to my portfolio page, you go back to the main page um, and then you scroll down a little bit. Um, you're going to see on the left-hand side um, about the fourth one down, there's a very green cover. It's got uh, a pair of locust leaves or yeah. cicada leaves. Or Click on that. And that first image that comes up called the stair, that's my daughter that I was just talking about. That's the picture of my daughter that I took like in 20, 2011, maybe. Wow. Um, and I, I came home and did that in about, in about an hour. And then you can start to scroll through those. Those are all, um, uh, those are all images I used, I made from my phone. Um, and if you go down too far, you're going to see me with a giant mohawk. Um, yes, I do. Uh, uh, that's yeah, that's me. Um, everybody should have a mohawk, is what I say, <laughs> uh, at least once in their life. But I think this is all of them. I think this. I think all all eighty ish of them are in here. But I just kept making more and more and more and more and more. Um, uh, again, these got into Photoshop. I you know did, did the typography and stuff here was all kind of old school. Ha ha ha. Uh, but I and then I made the whole book out of them. This is a lot. Matt, before we get too far along, you've mentioned throughout kind of this conversation about rebrands and redesigns. And so I want to talk real briefly about rebrands and redesigns. And this being with the AEA organization, um, those kinds of conversations involve not only the designers, but the editors. And um, it takes a team to build up a rebrand or a redesign. Could you talk a little bit about into that process and um, what you think others should know if they're considering doing a rebrand or redesign? Sure, uh, you know, rebranding, as you noted in your in your note to me, you know, it's a it's a trendy term. It's 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 um, uh, you know, became an industry. Uh, you know, rebranding became an industry. No matter what, no matter what, and, and brand as a, as a word became fairly overused. Um, but rebranding um, is. It's one of those things that people are afraid of, you know, corporate America is afraid of it or somebody who's got a product, if they're not good at branding themselves, they're afraid of it. But, you know, it really is um, understand from where I come from. It's understanding who you're talking to, who, is your, who, who, are your, who, who are your customers, what are they thinking? If you can get into their head a little bit, find out what they're looking at, what they find uh, enjoyable and attractive, then you've got a zone in which you can play in when you recast yourself on the stage Mm -hmm. um so if they you know i talk about i talked about uh the 45 year old reader who read the red red plaid cookbook at at meredith here all those years ago when i came on board in 96 Mm -hmm. um um, and i said you know you're 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 underestimating your reader all right if she's 45 i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you i'm not 45 yet at that point but your reader is not at home 
um, knitting, uh, uh, making doilies for the kids. Um, she's not cooking bread in the house. She is a vibrant uh, woman who probably got plenty drunk in high school. She <laughs> probably did some things that nobody wants to talk about, but the reality is that your 45-year-old reader is way hipper than you think. Mm -hmm. She has seen a whole lot more. You need to quit thinking that this is a, you know, a fifties mom, you know, with pearls around her neck and greets her husband at the door. No, that's not her. She's educated. She is, um, uh, she's seen way more than you're giving, than you're letting on. She's done things. She's probably a little, yeah. a little embarrassed of, but you need to start thinking of your reader that way. Mm -hmm. And when we did that, it we opened up uh, an entirely new way to talk to our readers. So I started with, who are we talking to? Are we underestimating them or are we miscasting them? Um, so you start there. And then once you know that, rebranding yourself is suddenly a much easier thing because you know where you, you got a sweet spot to kind of aim for. And um, uh, so you've got, you've got to know who you're going to talk to and what kind of language you're going to use right mm -hmm. off the bat. So do that first, do your homework first. But the, the other thing too, it doesn't mean that you always aim for that kind of that sweet spot of the mushy middle. You can aim, you know, uh, two inches offside that, and maybe you'll drag them with you. And all of a sudden you begin to possibly morph uh, into your own look within that kind of sweet spot. Uh, and the, one thing that I've I, I say a lot when I when I do a talk about redesign is that it's it's incredibly difficult to get people to move uh, a foot at a time in a in a direction, but you can get them to move six a uh, half a foot at a time over and over and over again, and then they will have moved four feet, mm -hmm. and they won't even realize that they have abandoned a lot of things that they you know held a little too dear. You know I you know I could never look at that or I could never do this. All of a sudden they're they're playing in a whole new world. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to entice, but, you know, maybe do it over a period of time to get your, your reader to your, your customer rather to, to change. So know them, know that you can drag them along a little bit, but it's probably going to be slower than you want. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, uh, and you're probably going to need to rebrand every, every two and a half, three to five years. Uh, that goes for all magazines. Gotcha. You always have to be thinking about your audience. A lot of people know that, but in different facets, such as design, such as writing, you have to be constantly thinking about your audience because they're evolving as well. So mm -hmm. keeping a hold of your timeline, because I was, when you started t thinking about this, I thought about the Jiffy's brand. Um, my mom had said, oh, this was about a year ago, that she read an article somewhere that the Jiffy's box, you know, like the cornbread muffin mix box that mm -hmm, they, mm -hmm. they haven't changed the look of that ever since they had that product, she was saying. Right. I was just thinking of constantly evolving, but don't go too far away from who um, you are and what your brand is, but just evolve you don't have to completely change it but stick with your audience right it's revolution versus evolution yes um you know uh, you get you know you hire an outside firm and they, they got somebody who, who's not doesn't really worry about the outcome and they're going to want you to be a revolution because it looks good in their in their their portfolio mm -hmm. the reality is is that you're 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 it's smarter to evolve uh, steps at a time and um, uh, go a little bit more slowly and then you'll find yourself in a whole new place 
Right. Matt, one thing while we're talking on the topic of audience and target readership or target audience, um, one thought you mentioned is that readers do care about design, but don't make it a priority. Elaborate on that. Well, you know, I, we, we're talking to American farmers. Um, American farmers are, you know, they're probably not running off um, uh, looking for the latest fashion. They're, it's not a priority for them. Um, and, and that's understandable. It's, you know, fashion and, and having the latest, coolest thing is not a priority for everybody. But I think typically it's fairly safe to say that we, you know, we have a, a conservative group that we talk to. Ma massive change or constant change is not really something they're looking for. So design is not something that, um, uh, you know, reaches out to them and screams at them and they're responding favorably to great design all the time and running to the next new thing. Um, but uh, everybody cares about design. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on the degree at which they, they care about design. And, and um, one of these days I'm, I want to give a talk to a room full of farmers who couldn't care that the art director, uh, any less that the art director is up there talking to him. And I'd say, well, this is why it matters. Tell me amongst yourselves, um, who here remembers the first time they, they saw their significant other the first time? Well, your heart probably probably skipped a bit a, a beat a little bit, you know. That's and that, and that you know that's that's design, you know. That's the, if it's divinely created or or created um, uh, on paper, you're all responding visually to something immediately, um, and so you are responding to design, but it's just not your priority. You don't think, um, uh, you, you don't go out of your way to find uh, the next coolest thing. But I'll, I'll bet a few farmers have had their, uh, uh, their heart skip a bit when they see the newest combine uh, mm -hmm. from one of the major, major you're know, like, ooh, I got to have yeah. that. Or mm -hmm. if they're, you know, if they're a car lover or a truck lover, it's like, you know, I love the latest Dodge, or the latest Ford or whatever the case is. Um, so they do care about it, but it's not, it's not top of mind. Right. But if I make it, so it looks a little cooler, a little, a little, a, a little different and enticing than I've got them because I know that they're mm -hmm. thinking about it, but they're not, they're not running around trying to get it. But if I can give it to them without them having to move, I'm mm -hmm. going to be my competitor. There's that connection point we were talking about earlier, connecting with them. Um, and mm -hmm. then, and then they have something to connect to and then they care a little bit more about it. It's always about that connection piece. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt, one of the last questions I have, um, being an AAEA, um, there's, you have your editors, you have your freelancers, you have videographers, social media, you have, we have a lot of different people in this organization that do different things. So what is one common misconception about design that you want to share with the audience? Um, well, one is that it's easy. Um, and, you know, experienced designers make it look easy. But in fact, uh, we are uh, in, the, in the minority of thinkers out there. They're kind of, there are creators and there are organizers. Uh, creators um, who create something out of nothing, whether it be words or something visual, uh, we're, we're, we're definitely in the minority. But what we, but I think people think they can do what we do. It's a little bit like you watch an ice skater, a professional ice skater. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, you know, you flip around, you skate backwards. I can do that. Then you get out there and you realize it's not so easy. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the I have never known a writer who dabbled well in design. But I do know a number of designers who dabble well in writing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's partly because when we're being educated, you know, however we're brought up, public or private schools, all of us are writing all the time. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we all we all get writing assignments, but pretty much everybody took one art class a year, you know, mm-hmm. through elementary school, and then they didn't take it in college or they didn't take it in high school. Um, so I have been um, I'm very well versed in writing. I can write, yeah, I can turn a phrase. I can, I can, I can write something that's above average. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had years of art, intensive oh. art. Uh, so people look at me like, well, I can do that. I took an art class. Well, okay, go ahead and do it. It's not mm-hmm. a problem. Um, so there's that misconception. That, and the one other misconception is that is that design and art is merely a cost. It is not seen as an investment. It's not seen as something that can drive money into the bottom line. Uh, but when I go back to the redesigning traditional home and um, uh, when I announced that I was leaving, the publisher wrote me a note saying, you know, we appreciate everything you've done here, but the main thing is that we finally landed Gucci. We had been trying to land Gucci and they didn't want to be on our pages, but you made it possible for us to land Gucci the first time. Well, that is a proven dollar mount to the bottom line. If somebody doesn't like you, or how you look or how you portray yourself and they don't buy an ad, well, that's a problem. But if you make it so that it entices them to buy an ad, mm-hmm. then that's straight money. That's real money. The other thing too, of course, is are you enticing new readers? Are you holding on to new readers? Um, uh, and they do pay attention to design. Again, not a huge priority in this field, but I uh, feel um, when I came on board at, Trad- uh, at SF here, I said, I want to talk to the 35-year-old farmer. Mm-hmm. That is my goal. If I can talk to the 35-year-old farmer, I'm going to be able to catch. Um, I'm going to be able to catch your next generation of readers because that's they're they're coming up and they care a whole lot more about design than mm-hmm. than the guy my age right now who's in the field who's got to worry about it. These guys were brought up on cable television. They were brought up in, in the in the internet age. They are far more savvy about these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I think it's. What year? 2016, there was a Redex research, and we um, scored better than all of our competitors in the younger farmer. Remembrance, what they picked up, what they wanted to read. It was the younger farmer. We were beating everybody. And I thought, well, then job well done. That was my yeah. goal. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got, I've, got that, I've got that farmer who's now in his, you know, his mid-40s, um, and hopefully we've got them for life. Good. Yeah. And that, there, there's that connection piece again. Connecting with people is going to reach people and it's in this world of where people are on social media and we think we're losing that one-on-one direct relationship. You can still have that if you reach out and, well, not necessarily reach out, but if you just connect with them, whether it's on a personal basis, a career basis, and develop that relationship, they'll be hooked. Yes. They'll, they'll like you as a brand. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Pepsi or Coke. Well, you know what? If Coke connected one with them at the right time, they're going to be Coke people for the rest of their life or yep. Ford or Dodge or Chevy or whatever the case is. And, and um, uh, the other thing was, that, you know, Wayne Gretzky years ago said something to the effect of, I don't skate to where the puck was. I, I, I skate to where the puck's going to. Mm-hmm. And that was our goal. That was my goal. I openly I said that. I was like, we need to skate where the puck's going, guys. We need to get yeah. ahead of this, ahead of this curve, uh, attract, attract these farmers. We're not going to lose the guy at my age. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to lose him. If he likes us, he's going to like us. We're not going to mess it up so badly that they're going to turn their back on us. Mm-hmm. But we have an opportunity to get the next generation of SF Reader and hold on to them for the next couple decades. Matt, this hour has gone by way too quickly. Yeah, I just looked at the clock and thought, oh my, 
gosh, like time is just, I like all the episodes do for me, honestly, they just run on by and I wish we could talk for three hours, to be honest, because there's so much I think we could talk about. I think you just landed on a really good note um, and a good reminder to people to be to be thinking when it comes to design, what they should be thinking, what their perspective is, no matter if they're a designer or not, and just working as a team to get to where you want to be as a organization or company. Matt, is there anything else that you want to include in our conversation before we log off? Uh, well, uh, no. Thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, as you, uh, same here. I looked at the clock. I went, oh, dang. I, <laughs> I filled that up awfully quick. Uh, I can blather like the wor- uh, like the worst of them, but uh, yeah, it went by quickly. And and I think we covered on everything that we'd hoped to. Yeah, and and um, so and uh, uh, you know, hopefully, it's some actionable points for people out there who are thinking about this kind of thing. But uh, you know, design isn't scary. It's not easy, but it's also extremely important. Yeah, definitely. And I think we hit the nail on the head on that today. So. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking time and out of your busy schedule. I know that we're all, especially with springtime here, that time is of the essence. But I'm really, really grateful that you came on and chatted with me today. Well, I appreciate you having me. And if you want to chat again, just look me up. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the AgCom Network podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and now Spotify. Just search the AgCom Network podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for hanging out with me. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.